Hey, it's Alex from X-Growth. I know, it's been a while. I've been pretty busy though. Currently, I'm producing the 2023 State of Account-Based Marketing in APAC report. With a focus on illuminating the current trends, strategies, and growth of account-based marketing in APAC, the report is going to be a vital resource for marketers navigating this dynamic area. So, are you keen to get involved? We have a survey that is completely anonymous and will only take a few minutes of your time. We'll be analyzing the results and seeing how much ABM has changed in the region over the past 12 months. As a thank you, once the report is complete, I will personally mail you a pre-release hard copy. You can also download the ABM Essentials pack I've put together immediately after completing the survey. There's a link to the survey in the comments, but you can also go to xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey. That's xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey. The more responses, the better the report. So please share it with anyone you think could benefit from the report. Okay, let's get to the show. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X-Growth. And today I'm talking to Christian Weiss, Director of Account-Based Marketing for Central Europe at Autodesk, about how you should go about measuring the success of your ABM programs. On that note, let's dive in. Christian, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you very much. I'm happy to join this podcast. No, absolute pleasure having you. I want to I wanna dive right in and talk about, we, we previously had a chat, and one of the things that you've mentioned in the past is that transparency is the starting point for ABM success. I want to dive into that, and I want to ask you if you could unpack that a little bit, and what exactly do you mean by that? So transparency for me has various levels, and I think with one one point of transparency, we have to look at ourselves as marketers, right? And say, am I, do I see enough information to make the right decisions? So in terms of data and analytics, the rest is guesswork. And it's also good sometimes, right? And sometimes we don't need all the deep insights we are looking for. But um, especially when we look into account-based marketing, transparency into into like looking into our accounts and our setups and their ecosystems and so on helps a lot. From my point of view, the key where transparency kicks positively completely in is in the collaboration with our colleagues, especially with sales. And the reason for that is maybe I have an example for that. In the past, in the very past, I was in, um, in, account, in um, quarterly meetings with sales. And these quarterly meetings with sales normally happen like this. Sales gives their update, marketing gives their update. This is our plan, or this is when we look backwards in the quarterly review. And uh, sales says, yeah, and by the way, the leads were not enough and the quality was bad. That's, a sec- that's I think, a discussion everyone had in the past. Yep. Yep. And 
Until this comment, everything was nice. My presentation was nice and glossy. I'm always prepared, of course, and like it. Uh, I, I enjoy the presence of sales because that brings me closer to reality and customers and out of the ivory tower of marketing sometimes. So I ended up always in this discussion. What is enough? Uh, how, many say, how many leads are enough? Are we sending too many? Not enough? I don't know. And I didn't have this answer. And then I had the chance to work with a very smart analyst who helped me building a, like a Power BI dashboard. And this dashboard was made to really like 100% transparency. And this dashboard showed not just how many leads did we deliver and how did we, or how did inside sales for sales convert them, but also who is not picking up on leads, how old are the leads until they are picked up, who are the black sheep and why. And maybe some leads were going to the wrong person, right? And no one knows about it. And we have delivered 150 leads and no one knew about them. So that was really a 100% transparency attempt. And on Damn, the next meeting, is, I got... Yeah. How, did that, how did that go? <laughs> yeah, that, what happened the meeting, next meeting changed completely. And then it was like, what? 15 days until that lead got touched. <laughs> and we had like 35, 60, 80 days, right? And then sales was really, the sales leaders stood up and said, okay, guys, this cannot happen. And then I said, okay, now we are in the right discussion. It was not about blaming each other. It's about transparency so that we can do jointly action. The next thing was um, I got now in the report feedback, what is the reason why they close a lead? Was it bad data? Did they Have they not been interested in whatever, right? So all of that. And these closed reasons help the marketers also to plan better and take better action. So it's not just about blaming each other. It's about putting everything on the table and at the end build trust for each other. And um, leads are a difficult topic for ABM, but they happen, right? So... Still in the in the ABM setup, we are looking at this report. And also I'm looking into the next step. And so just after conversion, I look into how many opportunities did we create? What happens with these opportunities? In which sta stage they are falling into parts or do not, right? So I see the entire funnel and also how old are these opportunities? Do they move ahead? Uh, all this pipeline progression. And that helps me also to support sales in the further stages to avoid that we are just looking into transaction, uh, to, into um, the conversion of a lead into an opportunity, but beyond that. So that helped, uh, helped a lot, but that's just one minor example. On the other side, I think transparency helps also in the things of what can ABM deliver and what not. Because especially when you start with ABM, you have a tendency of over-promising and you tell whatever, right? We are standing now in the water and with a spear and we fish every fish personally. <laughs> Anything that passes, <laughs> we'll catch it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, not with a net, of course, not with a net. And then, so when I looked into the data we had available when we started, I figured out, yes, we have a spear, but we are standing in the dark, right? I had no idea. <laughs> um, all the contacts we have collected over the past X years, I didn't even know who that was. It was just an email address. So also here, transparency helps a lot to help sales understand in which, say, in which states or stage of ABM am I, in which evolution, evolution stage. But also on the other side, it helps me to yeah, be realistic with myself, right? 
Got it. I love that. I love that. And I know the the analogy of net and sphere has been evangelized by by many in the ABM space. Yeah. And I love uh, I love how we have the spear, but uh, someone turned off the light. We're we're yeah. we're we're with a spear, but it's pitch black, and we're it's the middle of the night, and uh, exactly. that's not very helpful. In fact, we prefer not the at net at that situation. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, I guess my next question is. Why do you think that this is important? Why do you think this is such a critical component for ABM? Because we are now interdependent with other colleagues in the, from other colleagues in the company. We are depending from sales. We are depending from account teams, from customer success and so on. And if we really, really, really put the customer in the center and not sales and not marketing or anyone else or the revenue target, right? We put the customer in the center and look deeper and take action. Then we work as a real team. So I'm using very often this analogy of the pit crew when a Formula One car hits the pit stop. Everyone knows exactly what to do, but they have different functions, right? And it's about the driver and the car. And it's not about my own personal expectations, what the other one should do. It's about my task to make this driver and the car successful. And the fundament of this is a book I've read about and did several trainings about it. It's about the five dysfunctions of a team. I don't know if you know yeah. this. Yeah, great and, book. and the fundament is really is trust. I know exactly that the other one is doing a great job and I'm doing my best as well. And we use our trust level to be successful. If we start with a revenue target, we start maybe also with beating each other up or blaming each other. But um, transparency helps us to have the first steps in the right direction and on the same level. And then we are working as a team. So from my point of view, transparency, lead, transparency leads to trust and trust leads to the right decisions, better decisions. And we also use everything we know to share with each other. So no one holds anything back because that's my territory and not yours. And this openness and trustfulness helps us to make the best decisions for our customers. That is so good. That is so good. First of all, I love the analogy of the of the pit crew, but also how the transparency connects to trust and then connecting to um, those better decisions. When you're looking at ABM programs, this is this is a little bit of a different different conversation when you're looking at abm programs what is the time horizon that you're looking at from kind of measuring success this is from my point of view one of the most critical areas in abm between so in the relationship between sales and marketing because sales looks traditionally at this quarter and maybe the next one and this is these are not the quarters where abm should look at because i mean You cannot build a customer relationship in six weeks or in eight weeks or in two weeks and not in 12 weeks, right? You have to start understanding the customers. You have to start looking even deeper, have conversations, do discoveries. And then what's also missing many, many, many times is do a strategic plan. Describe by when do I want to achieve what with this account? And then do I need marketing for that? Right? Sometimes it's a, it's a renewal of a contract and no one, nothing else. I don't need marketing for that. But if I'm able jointly to describe my future goal in three quarters maybe, then I can start working really with sales. But this, 
challenge of thinking and working long-term and strategic first and looking into my today's results of this quarter. Do I make my quarter? This is, I think, a tricky, tricky thing. So what we have at Autodesk is we look at the five-quarter rolling pipeline. So it's less th this quarter, this year, and after this fiscal year, we are falling from the cliff. It's more a rolling pipeline where we constantly look into future pipeline gaps. And I, so my advice to every marketer is look at not this, not the next, but in three quarters and look at where are the gaps? With which customers do you have the biggest gaps? Is it the customer who is least engaged or is it the customer who is most engaged, right? Is it whatever, but it changes your your strategic plan, but you have to look further out in the future to really build the right content based on insights, align with all the account colleagues um, and peers. And that requires several quarters to, to work against. But then I think we are better, right? Okay, so you're, you're saying you, you look at, you look five quarters out. That's, that's really the, the horizon. You talk yeah. about, you look at pipeline gaps. Can you can you define that? What 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 do you mean by by you know you analyze pipeline gaps? Like what are you looking at? So of course we have different filters. We have a, I can look at the pipeline based on renewals only. I can look at renewals because so we are a software as a service company. So um, renewals are critical for our business, and the new business is critical. So I can look at new business only, new business and renewals, or only renewals. And I see the pipeline, so every opportunity which is already in these five quarters. So I can also, as a sales rep, say in three quarters, this opportunity will probably close. And based on that, I see also the marketing contribution in my report. So I can see based on leads, this has led to opportunities, but mainly based on the influence we have done, uh, based on engagement How much did we influence of this pipeline today and in the future? And therefore, I can also see how much more can I do in three quarters to increase the engagement of these accounts, to increase the support of the expected pipeline. And um, that makes it so interesting because I see the pipeline, but also I see how much did I do already as a marketer to support this future pipeline. And that brings us to a different level of conversation. Interesting, interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing from, so you're looking at, let's, let's take an example. You're looking mm -hmm. at the timeline and there is a deal that is coming up in three quarters time. Mm -hmm. And you, this is a renewal deal. So how do you approach that? Is that, you know, you're saying, okay, how can we, what is the current today's engagement level with this account? And I'd love to kind of dive, dive deep in terms of like, what do, what do we mean by engagement, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then how do you kind of plan for that? Does that make exactly. sense? Yeah, makes absolutely sense. And sometimes you have a customer where it's absolutely clear that the renewal will be super successful for sales. And it's already obvious that these goals will be achieved. So my question would be, what do you need marketing for? For like little fireworks on the table when they are signing the contract <laughs> or stickers or I don't know, balloons or whatever, or a nice event? Or is the account where the renewal comes up so low engaged or disengaged or not interested or is behind the expected goal we have calculated? that marketing can make a difference. And then the marketing can 
follow any goal within this account plan, right? Support the adoption. Make more people aware that they have a contract with us so that they're using our software or whatever, right? It could be the buy-in of the missing buy-in of executives to drive this contract uh, further or to grow this contract. It could be so-called white space where you say, I'm super in this department, but not at all existing in the other department. So what can I do to move like or to extend my footprint? And this is why we need longer term plans, right? Um, that doesn't work if I have just one quarter to close the deal. Mm. Okay. And therefore, so I think that makes sense, right? To, to really go deep into it and say, is it necessary to involve marketing here or not? We, we all have not unlimited resources. Yes, of course. That's, that's always the biggest challenge, resources. Christian, when it comes to the, the accounts you're targeting at, at, at Autodesk as part of the ABM program, is that more, do you find that that's more net new business? Or when you say net new, that's like existing customers net new and renewal. How does that kind of, uh, how does that divide look like? So it's with our products, it's relatively difficult to find in this larger company size, a customer who is like, or someone who is not no, a customer. There's no presence. Yeah. So the, the, the amazing, the rather, amazingness of, of Autodesk <laughs> it's everywhere. But yeah, <laughs> but the, the problem is rather, so how big is our footprint? Right. Mm. So if a customer is a strong customer in their real estate department, but maybe not in the factory area or in design, then I can treat this department like a new customer. Right. It's this right. white space yep. is then like a new customer acquisition. I don't know the relevant people. The people are not engaged. Uh, they are using the wrong products, maybe, or no products from us or competitive products. So it's like new customer acquisition within an existing account. And these large accounts, they are so complex that it's anyway like a new customer, right? I see. They are often not talking to each other as well. Yes, yes, definitely have experience in that. And uh, sometimes sometimes they buy the same software, but from two different vendors. Um, exactly. And it's like, what what's going on here? <laughs> Let's talk about the other thing that I want to touch on is short-term and medium-term KPIs. Mm -hmm. So long-term KPIs, everyone is, is familiar with. Hey, we want revenue, we want pipeline, we want stage three pipeline, stage four pipeline, whatever it is. But I also well, I want to dive a little bit deeper when it comes to short-term and medium-term KPIs that you look at. What are what are some of the things that you monitor very closely? You know, from maybe month one to month three, if you're running mm -hmm. a program from month three mm -hmm. to month, maybe nine, right? So in the, in that first, second, third quarter, where mm -hmm. sales is very focused on revenue, but as you said, ABM is focused on, you know, that three plus quarters. What mm -hmm. are some of those KPIs that you look at in that period? Um, of course, it depends from the tactics, right? But so what I think many marketers, so we, many marketers are in this delivery routine. I need a new campaign here. I need a new campaign there. And let's deliver and let's plan and execute and plan and execute and plan and execute. But um, these short-term KPIs, whatever, the number of attendees, the number of downloads of content, the engagement on a new landing page, whatever, the, so really basic things, attendees of a webinar I have planned. These shorter term uh, KPIs 
help me not just to report out on the next QBI I don't care about. It's, it's helpful to optimize my campaigns so that they are really long-term running. We deliver, deliver, deliver and do new stuff because that's our routine. But I think this is, we are creating a lot of marketing waste with that. We create content and five people have seen it, but the next campaign requires new content. So we build new content instead of looking into this piece of content and think about why did no one read it? Was it not compelling enough? Is the story good? Whatever. We are not reflecting. We are just notoriously looking forward, but never really optimizing. And I think also in terms of resources sometimes or very often, the optimization of a program could be lead to success instead of just putting it to the dump and create the next thing. And especially when we think about ABM, where you should build relationships and trust with customers, what do they think about us when we constantly throw stuff against them instead of, or also by pretending we know them, but without knowing them? So we bombard them with stuff without getting better into what we do. So I think these short-term KPIs sound very basic and very transactional sometimes, but they help me to get better in what I do instead of just putting it to the dump and throw the next thing against my customer. Interesting. So some of the traditional KPIs that kind of demand gen marketers have been looking at, you still look at that in the short term to kind of um, uh, evaluate the success of programs. Exactly. And uh, so I think uh, when so you mentioned engagement to look a bit deeper in the conversation when we uh, go further out with this podcast. But I think engagement is a critical measure here as well. We call it meaningful engagement. So it's everything someone does actively. Of course, ideally also depending from their job level, their hierarchy level, their function and so on, to avoid that um, in a large corporation, five working students are downloading a trial and we think this entire account is highly engaged. So this has to be put in relation, but... Everything someone does active helps me to identify, am I growing the interest and the engagement in this account in my, so within my relationship? When I, um, so I'm, someone used this, this analogy and I, I really like this. It's, it's about so personal relationship as well, right? Sometimes we think we go into a bar and I'm as a marketer, I say, Hey, can I get you a drink? Uh, because that person wants to talk to you right now and that person wants to marry you in, a, in an hour, right? And without knowing each other, of course, you can marry someone uh, in the same night or same evening, but these are normally not the long-lasting relationships, right? And I think without listening and understanding and looking into my person, so the, the, the other person's behavior and interests, uh, the less... I can build a relationship and the engagement numbers and the responses to what I'm offering them in terms of content help me to understand this, this account further. So just bombarding them does not really help yeah. in uh, building relationship. And I, so my wife can also switch off when I'm talking because I'm sometimes talking far more than she does. But uh, if I'm just <laughs> talking, <laughs> surprise, if I'm just talking to her and she has no chance to talk to me, how could I know what she thinks about topics? Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. You talked about account engagement. Is that, do you treat that as the same, this, the same way of like account scoring? Is that the same, are you taking the same approach? How, how does that look like? 
Yeah, so th this feeds into the account scoring as we do it. Um, so we have four account scores uh, or engagement scores, low, medium, high, and very high. And whenever we track the marketing contribution to a pipeline, independent if it's coming through a lead or through engagement, we count only for with accounts who are high or very high engaged. This is also to avoid that we are entering sales QBRs and say, hey, guys, 100% goal achieved. Yeah, we contributed 100% to your pipeline. So we did this. Um, and even with 30% or 40%, you, they say, hey, sorry, what do you mean with contribution, right? <laughs> and um, from my point of view, this, it's necessary to share, right? Um, but these account scores, high and very high, keep me from claiming... 100% success where is no where there is no right this is what i meant with the five mm. working students when they download a trial that doesn't mean that abb is or whatever random large corporation is uh, highly engaged with us right so it has to um, show more interesting interesting right so so there's the account scoring of low medium high and very high and then and then there are data that feeds into that and it, it sounds like there is data from people who downloaded the the uh, a white paper or mm -hmm. people who have um, filled forms or attended events or um, but it also sounds like there is there a usage component in there as well of like hey we've seen like the usage level go up or that that area is not necessarily something you put in so it's a, it's a machine learning model so i i don't know all the details but i think okay. this is not yet in <laughs> okay but it's, got it. it's a it's got a very it. good one so um so we have different pricing models and one is about consumption and of course i can take this into account so when consumption does not change at all over time then this should definitely be an alert for marketing as well not just for sales or customer success yeah i think this is the account scoring is one of those things that you could go very deep into the rabbit hole uh, very mm -hmm. quickly and mm -hmm. then be very overwhelmed um yeah, and then you the can tech team cheat yourself <laughs> that's that's correct that's correct and then also the tech team would say yeah sure thing that's a it's gonna be a two hundred thousand dollar project to build that out for you in the power <laughs> bi piece exactly exactly so one one from one last advice on the or a comment on the engagement score so we are only looking 180 days back because we say it takes time to engage so that um Engagement of like three past years is not counted, of course, in the current opportunity, but also we would like to drive behavior that long-term engagement makes more sense than just looking the last 10 days or last 30 days backwards um, so that there is no operative hectic and more strategic planning and, uh, and long-term engagement activity. Got it, got it, got it. We've touched on some, Christian, but what are some of the mistakes that you see people make when they're trying to measure the success of, a, of their ABM program or, or, or show the success of their ABM program? What are some of the mistakes you've made or you've, you've seen people make? Again, we've touched on a few, but there, is there anything else that comes to mind? I think the biggest mistake is over-promising. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Or pretending, right? That you say, uh, sorry guys, now we are in ABM, this is much different and different and better and whatever. And at the end, you measure the same trash than before. So if you want to do ABM, then 
be very clear in what you want to measure and what you can measure and how the path looks like so that you are starting step by step and then let's say measure more and more of what you see and what you learn from accounts instead of pretending and then sales says okay guys yeah forget it i need i need more leads and the rest i don't care you will fix it someday but uh, send me more leads that's all and uh, i think this this kills the relationship at the end if you pretend right and at the end you cannot deliver that's also a trust question right do you have enough trust to show weakness but um, if you can then i think being realistic to yourself and to your peers helps a lot to achieve goals without stepping in too many (laughs) deep holes yes i got it got it also i think so yeah. one one oh, last no, thing. Please let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's <laughs> In do terms it. of KPIs, so I think the biggest mistake is also if you go for results who are driving impatient and short-term results, right? If you think you have KPIs who, yeah, meet the requests from sales quickly, and then you deliver constantly on short-term results, they drive these short-term results constantly drive impatience on sales side. So I think you have to have a mix of what can I do today? What do I deliver this quarter? And how can I help you this quarter to achieve your goal? But I have also KPIs who help you showing that I'm working already on your future pipeline, right? And then I think there's a good balance. You can never work only in the future because then no one listens to you. And you can never work just in the presence because then you will never achieve your ABM goals. Yeah, I feel like getting get, going deeper and deeper into the delivering short-term results it's like it's like crack cocaine it's very hard to uh yeah it's very hard to get away from once you're too deep and you can't get out uh, where it's like no 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 but what about what about this quarter's results and uh and totally. the numbers become focused on that christian i want to ask some rapid fire questions before before diving into that is there anything else on measuring abm success that Maybe I didn't ask where you think it's important for us to cover. I I think the last advice is, and that's something I was reading on a on a on the first slide I saw on an ABM conference, and that that advice was fix your damn data first. And I think you can do a lot of ABM and a lot of pretending, but if your data is not clean and sorted out, you will be surprised. Data first. I love that. I love that. I just I just wrote that down. Um, okay. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much. Do you want to be a part of something great and receive greatness in return? Well, with the help of Media Collateral, Xgrowth is creating the state of account-based marketing in APAC Report for 2023. Be a part of this industry study and get the opportunity to win a free consultation with Xgrowth's ABM experts on how you can optimize your ABM strategy. And all it takes is filling out the survey located in the pod description. Want to hear about more greatness? Well, by filling out the survey, you'll get immediate access to download our ABM Essentials Pack and get an exclusive pre-release copy of the report. So what are you waiting for? Click the survey link to get started. All right, let's do some rapid fire questions. First question I have, I know you're a reader, so I'm excited for this. What is, uh, what is one resource this could be a book a blog a podcast a talk whatever it is that has had a fundamental and and big impact on the way you work or live so it sounds very common sense but uh, it's the seven habits of highly effective people that influenced me by far more than i thought i did the training 10 12 years ago and 
<clears throat> for example, keep the end in mind is something which influences the way how we do marketing as well, right? If someone says, hey, can you do a campaign on this and that and you ju just deliver, then you deliver, but you maybe not ne never ever achieve your goal. But when you ask, <clears throat> what am I doing this for? And by when do you need it? Then you have so much more clarity in what you should do. Then it helps. And personally, of course, it helps me as well. Love it. Love it. Okay. Question two. I feel like you, you, you've given a couple of these, but if you could only give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? It's a very good time to be in from my point of view, because a B2B, so B2B marketing was somehow the stepchild in the past. So someone who was not a good engineer or whatever did the marketing. I'm an architect, so someone said uh, that these are engineers who can't do math. But <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I, I would say this is the best time to be in because we have an enormous market transparency. Everyone can search for information everywhere. So the influence of the purchase decision is more and more on the B2B marketer side. And the critical part of building a strong relationship is also getting more and more into the marketer side. And I think this is a very, very good place to be at the moment. I love it. I love it. That, um, that also uh, analogy of like, if, you, if you're not good at math, you become an architect. That's such a German <laughs> German analogy. Uh, there's, there's certain other parts of the world who would say, you know, if you don't have the artistic uh, elements, you become an engineer, a civil engineer. But not in yeah, Germany. Yeah. Not in yeah, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question three. Who are some of the who are some of the thought leaders, influencers, people who are active in the B2B space that you uh, you follow? So I'm so it's difficult to mention names. Um, there are of course several lists of um, of people, but someone gave me an advice and said, if you want to be on top of a topic, really on top, then spend some time every day or once a week for some hours and dig deeper into this. And I think in this dynamic world of, of changes in technology and insights and behavior in marketing, it's good to listen to these people who are building opinions at the moment. Uh, even if it's just a comment of these people, um, it's very good to follow them, to see how to on what do they react, what makes them emotional or... <laughs> angry, right? What do they think? What keeps them awake? And uh, you don't have to read every article, but uh, just watching them making good and bad decisions or whatever, right? Um, brings you to a different level, I would say. And what I also do is I'm relatively well connected to several marketers outside of the company. And I'm, we are just meeting for exchanges from time to time and give update to each other. And uh, I think that helps also to learn from other people's mistakes so that you're not just learning by doing or by mistakes. Christian, can you give me an example of this? Like how, like maybe not names, but like an example of someone who, you know, talks about this or, but yeah, like people you, you talked about, they, they build opinion. It's good to follow them and see whether they're right or wrong. Any, any particular example that come to mind? Yeah. So there, there are people who say, okay, these five people you have to have in mind when you do ABM or so write short articles or comment on something. So I had one, one situation where a tech provider for ABM uh, made a statement, a provocative statement. And of course, so sometimes I'm reading, reading it half through and then I beat back, right? Or make a comment. And then it ended up uh, in an invitation to see the presentation of this product by the CEO. And I said, okay, I'm in. And um, <laughs> he 
So he organized like two more people who shared this and I was completely blown away and impressed. And um, now we are like, we are exchanging conversations and I get also requests from his side. What do you think about this and that, right? Uh, and so we are building relationships by conversations, not just by likes and shares, but by asking questions, challenging each other. And uh, that changed my opinion completely. And I think wow. this is the way how we should also consume social media. It helps us to not just read other people's stuff and mind, but also have conversations and meet even if they are on a different um, place on the planet as we do. Love it. Love it. Last question. What's something that excites you about B2B today? I think um, B2B goes through a very deep transition. Uh, we have by far better insights into customers. We have by far better uh, technology to use. Uh, to use. Uh, we are extremely challenged in using the right technology because we have the MarTech whatever thousand uh, at the moment and no normal marketer can make the right decision without a good advice or yeah the right strategy. So I, I think it's the best time to be in it if you like dynamics, uh, if you like change and um, yeah, a strong future. So I, I think it's the, it's the place to be. And marketing plays a more and more critical role, honestly. Christian, this has been an awesome conversation. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, I've taken a lot of notes from, from engagement data and account engagement, account scoring and short-term, medium-term KPIs to transparency so and everything else that we talked about. So I just want to say thank you so much for, um, for your time and, and for all the insights you shared. Thank you very much as well. You see that I'm very passionate. <laughs> Absolutely. Very passionate that's that's what we topic. love. That's what we yeah. want on this on the on, on the podcast. So no, thank you so much for being very passionate. And I also appreciate if people uh, listen to that and reach out later and want a conversation. Um, what, so what's I, the best I'm way for really people enjoyed. to uh, to reach you? I'd, I'd say uh, it's LinkedIn. Yep. I will relatively quickly filter out if that person just wants to sell something <laughs> <laughs> without knowing me and without uh, building a relationship. So, that's right. Um, I think Do your ABM a, homework and then, yeah, exactly. and then start uh, knocking on the door. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Christian, thanks again. It was a pleasure. Thank you too. Have a nice day. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywell and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.